Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here, episode 312 in the house. Today, we have a big show today. We are going to be talking everything that's happening in major sports, coronavirus, how it affects the major sports, how it affects the WFA, the WNFC, uh, LaFi, WWCFL, pretty much everything in North America, including global the global scale of things. Um, unfortunately, this is where we're at and not a good situation for a lot of people, but um, you know, the safety precautions have to be taken. Things have to be addressed. Uh, everybody has to be self-responsible uh, for what they're doing now and their actions. Uh, social distancing, as an example, becomes more of a heightened priority. Um, paying attention to how you can affect some o- uh, others as well. So there's a lot of things that uh, we as individuals have to be more mindful of, uh, including our kids and including our elderly so there's a lot of things that you have to uh, deal with on a daily basis that you probably wouldn't have dealt with before uh, going about your day and things like that. But overall, we're going to be talking major sports shutdown, NBA, MLB. Uh, we don't have NFL right now, but NHL as well. And then the announcement of the uh, WNFC leadership, the WFA leadership, uh, as well as some of the other global uh, associations that uh, are in women's um, football in general and also in women's sports. Um, so we're going to be talking today uh, about that as well. Shut down XFL completely. Uh, it's probably the right thing to do. Uh, it will be revamped in 2021. An exciting season for XFL. We went up to week five uh, at this point. Uh, we're going to be bringing in Nate Ward in about an hour or so, and we're going to be talking pretty much X-League, how it affects the X-League too, how it's uh, the XFL not completing the full season, how that's literally a bummer for some fans. But overall, we understand the bigger scope of the situation in terms of a global scope, which is uh, to be safe in terms of what we're dealing with, with the unknowns of the coronavirus, uh, the effects it can have on there. Um, So my only suggestion to everybody is what I've been posting on my Facebook page. Hey, um, don't worry about Washington. Don't worry about what the bubble in D.C. is doing. Worry about what your local authorities, your local representatives are doing and your governors are doing, because those are the three people that are going to keep you safer than if you have to worry about what D.C. is doing in D.C. That's not going to happen. So be mindful. You know, former military, I can tell you right now, the best thing you can do is to listen to your local authorities, listen to your state authorities, and listen to your governors, because those are the people that are ultimately responsible for anything other that can happen in your area. Uh, Funding and everything else that comes from Washington, that will be distributed to the state capitals of each uh, state, and then it gets distributed to the local counties. The counties then distribute it to the local city uh, councilmen. So, you know, whoever you voted for in the local elections, whoever you voted for in the state elections, those are the representatives and the folks that you should be calling. There's no need to be calling, you know, your, your people in Washington, okay? The people that you should be interacting with is your local politician, your local councilman, your local state representative. Those are the people that live in your communities. 
the people that actually will affect you or improve your lifestyle or give you the best information possible. So the only thing I will say is CDC guidelines is what you need to follow and then be vigilant and attentive to any local county or state directive because those are the things that are going to affect you more more so than anything. Um, so just enough said that, but everybody be safe, be mindful, wash your hands more thoroughly, uh, don't touch your you know your face and everything else. So be be aware of your surroundings, uh, you know, and be respectful of of folks that you have in your home, you know, that are compromised, folks that have heart conditions. You know, we all know who who those family members are. So we have to be mindful if if needed. Uh, you need to uh, branch out and you need to bring things, you know, to them if that's the case because they can't leave because of you know compromised things. So you might want to you know do your part by you know, stocking things up for them so that they can be at home comfortable and, and, and not have a big drastic change in their lifestyle too. So just some of the tips that, you know, I've gone through in my military career, uh, you overblow things initially because I, in a crisis mode, people just assume, okay, we just got to panic now. Uh, there's no panic here. Everybody still needs to be focused. You got to stay focused uh, in terms of what's happening. Um, and you also need to be mindful you know, hoarding the grocery stores is not going to benefit anybody. Okay, you don't need, you know, 30,000 rolls of toilet paper as a, as a household. It's not, there's no need for that. So you're just basically hindering other people that really need it, people that are disabled, people that are in a wheelchair, people that obviously are elderly, uh, people that would probably order online, and because you hoarded the whole stock, uh, they're not able to get certain things uh, to their homes. Uh, we live in a mobile world. We live in a digital world. We live in a world where uh, we can order things online, but if everybody starts to hoard and deplete like, you know, idiotic people that buy hand sanitizer and then try to sell it for $1,000 online, kind of idiotic. They're not being uh, very good humans, as you would say. Um, they're being very greedy and thinking that they're going to sell it for $1,000 is kind of laughable. So enough said for that. But uh, we were looking forward to the WFA 2020 season. We were looking forward to the WNFC 2020 season. At this point, it was postponed. Both leagues um, basically made their statements. Their statements were that they're holding off uh, with further information, obviously from the CDC, uh, the administration, uh, Trump administration, obviously local and state county governors. Uh, so all those folks are obviously working together, and they're going to give us the best guidelines. Um, the best guidelines should come from the CDC. That's where the guidelines are going to go to. The, so follow those and then follow your local news sources that you rely on. Uh, for any type of, you know, city changes, city mandates. Uh, there are some cities that are doing lockdowns and things like that. Um, we have an incident that happened with the AFE uh, All-Stars, the women's All-Stars, that went to Honduras for the America, uh, America Bowl 2020 in Honduras. And because of the coronavirus, uh, three of those teams got stuck in, uh, over in Honduras. Uh, mainly the U.S. teams, I believe, still there. Uh, the Mexican team just arrived uh, in, the, in the last 12 hours from my uh, reporting and my, our network sources. And the Costa Rica uh, team, I believe, is also on its way home. So the Americans have a little uh, more of a challenging mode because of the fact that airlines have been shut down and there's no airlines coming into Honduras at this point. So uh, they are going to have to stay probably a week or two. We're looking at about $20,000 in, in uh, need and assistance for them to even stay at the hotel they were at. For affordability, uh, we did make a post 
from the AFP Women's All-Stars. Uh, we do have one no-joke football athlete, Sasha Cruz, there. Uh, but we also have a lot of WFA and WNFC All-Stars that were participating in the event. And those folks are obviously stuck there. Um, we do encourage you to go to the hub. There is the link there. You can donate, you know, $5, $10, however you can donate to these players so we can get them back home safely. Um, you know, some people have called this probably irresponsible, that they probably should have canceled the event. But, you know, at this point, it's already happened. We just need to try to get the players back home. There's about 56 players that need to come home. So we need to make that uh, effort to help them out just to get back home. And I'm pretty sure their families are missing them. And in a situation like this, we all have to just kind of calm down and we have to do the right thing and uh, take care of ourselves at home. Self-responsibility, wash your hands, be mindful of, of you know, relatives and others. Uh, so we just got to be a little bit more um, diligent about that. So I, I really encourage everybody to make sure that, you know, you do your part. Um, it is a situation where in a crisis mode like this, local uh, impact is a lot more uh, devastating than national news impact. You listen to the national news, you're going to go crazy. You want to listen to local uh, congressmen, local representatives, because those are the people that affect you closer in terms of food, uh, acquiring food, acquiring needs, dollars, anything else in that general sense. All right. Well, uh, hopefully we'll get WFA and the WNFC back up and running. We're looking at May 2nd from some of the leagues at this point. June, the, the NBA said they would come back about June. NHL about maybe May. Um, so the, there's timelines for that. Everybody's doing pretty much a 30-day uh, stay in terms of not playing games. Uh, they are going to play some games from uh, when I'm told. They're going to be playing games as well from um, probably no fans in the stands. Uh, March Madness was canceled as well. So, you know, a lot of the sporting events have been affected, some of the things, but you still have, you, you still have things at home. Uh, some of the kids off at school and things like that. So you have home, uh, home uh, things to take care of there as well. Um, you know, you can interact with your kids more for the next two weeks, uh, really focus on family, really focus on, you know, what's more important than that. I know we have daily lives. We're on the go, mobile, things like that. Uh, hopefully everybody's financially selfers put away some money because these things do spring up and things do come up in that sense. And you still have to be responsible for yourself. Um, you can rely on government assistance. You can rely on all these other things. But bottom line, at the end of the day, you're the only one that needs to take care of yourself. So it's very important to be aware of that uh, in, in, in a sense, too. Uh, so, you know, at this point, family helps family. That's what happens. So we got to rely on everybody, uh, on your family, your neighbors, things like that to help you out through uh, a rough month, to help you out with through maybe two rough months uh, in all that sense. So we all got to come together and uh, kind of work through it as well because we're not uh, alone in this. It's pretty much affecting everybody. It's not like just a situation with the family only. It's a situation where it's a, kind of a global aspect of it. So just we got to be mindful of that. All right. So, guys, um, I'm not going to just sit here and go, okay, you know, I, I need you to go to the shop and, and buy stuff for me to, uh, you know, today because that's just not the wrong thing to do. You guys know where to go to our shop link and things like that. So we're not going to go that route. But uh, uh, Zazzle No Joke Football Huddle will be sponsored by Zazzle.com, of course. And Zazzle.com, you can go to Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties and get some stuff there as well. Um, so we're going to go into the huddle. And we're going to talk to an interesting and talented athlete. And that would be Tabitha uh, Laurie. And she's the creator and founder of Stadium Queens. 
Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Standing Queens, on Instagram, uh, social media, and she's a blogger. So let's bring in um, Tabitha here to kind of chime in on what's going on. Hi, Tabitha, are you there? Yep, I'm here. How are you today? I'm doing great. Just, just talking a little bit about, you know, the biggest thing that's happening right now and affecting everybody. So kind of just trying to keep everybody's mindset, you know, to stay focused on the important things in life. I know we don't have sports anymore for a little bit here, especially in America, because we're always dived into sports and some sort of sporting events, you know, whether it be local with your kids or college or that kind of stuff. So hopefully you're doing well. Yeah, for the most part, um, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I have three kids at home right now, so they're trying their best to drive me crazy. But for the most part, they're not winning. I think uh, Tabitha, was it was the panic uh, from your point of view? Is I'm gonna have my kids for two weeks, so I gotta go hoard uh, toilet paper. Is that what boiled down to? <laughs> Well, I don't know about the toilet paper kidding. part because I got boys, <laughs> but definitely snacks because they eat like nobody's oh, yeah. business. Can they eat or what? <laughs> yeah. They yeah. Can. No, you know what I mean? But it was just kind of, I think, a, a little bit of overreaction by a lot of people. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's obviously get warranted that you have to over, overreact initially. Uh, but now we're getting a lot more mm-hmm. feedback in terms of, you know, what can we do for ourselves and, and do things like that. So, um, Tabitha, WFA sort of uh, on, you know, we were really, we were really excited to, to try. Oh, my God, 2020, right? It's a big turn for women's football for both leagues. Yeah. And we were really excited about, you know, the launch. And, and this is, you know, a new sponsor is 11 Sports, WFA. You got U2 uh, America. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think we're going to be on a down yet. But you know, it's it's we're gonna have to hold off a month basically. Instead of thirty days out, we're we're into sixty days. So, what's your your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think that it can go either way. So, if we we take this time and we hone our skills, like both at home and watching film and stuff like that, then the then the the season should actually be better because it gives us more time to prepare. But if we kind of get in a funk and you know, we don't think of, you know, think about using the time effectively, then it can make for a pretty bad season. Yeah, for sure. Um, Tabitha, tell us a little bit about your project, uh, why you started it, uh, you know, the importance of uh, letting people know about, you know, what women's tackle players um, deal with, because obviously we don't, you know, players don't get paid. So healthcare is on their own dime. Um, they don't get a salary. Uh, the WFLA is promised that they're trying to get to that next stage. Uh, WNFC is working towards that initially uh, with obviously Riddell and Adidas and trying to get more funds and then WFA in, in general looking for bigger sponsors. So overall, I mean, um, what do you, what do you think we're, we're at now? Well, I mean, I mean, personally for quite some, um, I never saw, anybody really on, on TV or, you know, that encouraged me to play, but I always wanted to play. When I found that it was a paid situation or just a situation we more, uh, I don't know what the word exactly would be, fans on like stuff like that, or, but in terms of, like, playing on different teams, I kind of saw, like, there was an underlying uh, theme. Say, 
injured and have insurance or hey they had to they lost their job because of this injury and I just felt like it's something that people needed to see like sometimes it's out of sight out of mind um and I just wanted to bring that to the forefront if possible and you told a couple stories um is it from your personal experience within your team the Houston Power or is it just in general you've from what you hear from other players from other teams so some of it is um is from players that are on the Houston Power. Um, some of them, I mean, I've played for the Power, I've played for the Houston Energy, and I played for the Wildcats in the WFA, I mean, in the uh, IWFL. And so I've seen that, some of that firsthand um, from other players. But also, I mean, my own personal experience, I was injured last year, and I had to deal with, you know, the cost of recovery and stuff too, so. Yeah, and a lot of times uh... – we don't have like one major full blown, you know, insurance coverage. I know some of the, some of the teams or some of the leagues, you know, have like Aflac as a supplemental, as an example, um, right. to cover some of the out of pocket costs and things like that. So it is, it can become, uh, you know, sort of a devastating injury. I know, I know our own Holly Custis uh, had her knee injury through and she had to go through almost 12 months of rehab. And so it becomes a really, uh, yeah. you know, a burden, with your full-time job now, maybe you cut back hours there too, and that affects you financially. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of negatives uh, when you do get injured in terms of a sport that obviously doesn't pay you or accommodate those. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing. A lot of times when we look at athletes and they say, oh, well, like, for instance, J.J. Watt, he's, he's got injured, he's going to be out for six months. We don't think like, okay, well, that means his, his uh, salary, his take-home salary is going to decrease. Of course not, right? But with female athletes, female football players in particular, if I have to be out for 12 months and that means I'm on FMLA from my job, I might not be getting paid, you know, which means my bills are going to get behind and, and then I might lose my job. I might lose where I'm staying. Like, it's a, it's a bigger issue when we get injured as opposed to, like, these professional athletes that have salaries that have that rolled in. Do you feel like we're heading in the right direction, Tabitha? Uh, I know the WNFC has tried to create some sort of, you know, a situation where player fees are eliminated. Some teams have done it. Seattle Majestics have done it. Some sort of business sense, which is to acquire some franchises, and one of the franchises pay for, you know, the players to play for the season. So we're going probably in the right direction. Can we get, you know, the 12 other teams to kind of be in that same boat? Um, at some point, we hope you know Adidas or Redell will p- uh, pick up the bill for that, just like to do the, the you know the gear and stuff. So, do you feel like we're going in that right direction still? Absolutely, I think that we do. I think that the more um, teams see it less as a competition and more as like a, a way to help the the next team figure out how to get the funding, the better off we all will be, right? Um, some teams re- rely on player fundraising. You know, they still try to keep the cost low, and they say, hey, you can fundraise, but, like, adults don't necessarily want to fundraise money, so you end up paying it out of your pocket. So if they can make it to where we're paying little to nothing or somebody else is picking it up, then great. I think that um, by making the, the league kind of a nonprofit situation that's encouraging to sponsors to come through, like um, Zenith or like Adidas or like Nike, you know, um, they'll see that and they'll be able to help out more. 
And I feel that women's football is definitely walking in that direction. But I feel like um, we need a push. And the only way we can get that push is by being seen and being seen by the right people. The exposure that the WNFC had last year, very big game changer. Uh, I know I've talked to the leadership there. They're really, they're really focused on a mobile-driven uh, platform now, not so much on just you know, find me on YouTube, but they want they, they want to do that mobile platform. That's why they're hooking up with YouTube America. So because we're all on mobile phones basically every day, right? So you're you're gonna watch Netflix, yeah. you're gonna watch movies, you're gonna watch sports. Um, do you think that that's the right approach for revenue to try to monetize the sport into more visibility? I think it'll definitely help with the visibility. Honestly, I don't know if it's gonna monetize it, but I think that it will get it will get more people viewing it because as a lot of times that, you know, when you meet people, they don't know that we even have it going on. Right. Um, but if you have something visual that, you know, you can say, Hey, yeah, look at this, this is what we're doing. And this is going on right now. Then, and you can watch this from your phone every Saturday. Yeah. They'll definitely come, you know, and eventually I feel like that will turn into something that you can monetize, but I don't think it's going to be something that's immediate, you know, Tabitha, what do you think of the uh, United States women's uh, battle uh, versus the Federation? Uh, I know a lot of it has been back and forth, but you know, now we got to this, you know, this situation where, okay, the, the, the women are not as skillful as the men. So it's like it, it drives people nuts to consider the fact that you know, success on one side isn't uh, as equal as, as in the other, or the, the, you know, the comeback is, okay, well, the men's tournaments are tougher, uh, yeah, but that's not a blame for the female. So what's your thoughts on, you know, the the fact that the team isn't going to get maybe a fair shake at this point or their accommodations aren't being viewed as serious? Well, I, I mean, unfortunately, it's kind of what, what we deal with all the time, right? Like, as, as female mm-hmm. athletes, we don't get the fair shake. I mean, even the fields that, that some of the that football players play on right now, they're they're subpar. They're not anything that a male team is going to play on. They'll have holes in them. They'll have manholes in them. I mean, it won't be lined correctly. So that in and of itself, if you don't have the basic stuff that you can provide to us and then say this is going to be a good game, it can't be good if you're not actually giving us what we need. So I think it's unfortunate, honestly. And I hope that, you know, eventually it comes to the point where we are getting the correct resources so that we can play at the same level that the men are. Yeah, I just don't agree with – I think the, really what happened is there, the Federation got some knucklehead lawyers, in my view. You could have made compromises. You know what I mean? You could have compromised on yeah. salary, which the players probably would have given up. Even if they – let's say, okay, 66000 or $66 million, I'm pretty sure the players at some point would have said, hey, if I'm going to get sixty four or $60,000, i am good with that, right, and work on something else right. down the road. Um, accommodation. Yeah. We all know – we all know the differences in sexes. So I don't understand how mm-hmm. you could say the skill sets, you know, is the big deal, right? You, okay. Yeah. We're all, we're yeah. different. The needs are different, right? Basketball players, to basketball right. players, to female basketball players, way different, right? Knee injuries are more prone yeah. in, in female sports than in male sports, no matter what, whether you, nutrition yeah. is the issue or not. Um, but to, to sit right. there and go, okay, their tournament is minute, to our tournaments because they're a lot higher. Well, technically, the, your sport has been 
here for you know gener- generations, and the sport yep. of like let's say women's soccer, for example, has only been prominent for the last what twelve, fifteen years, and this is yeah, the best team sure. on the planet. This is the this is the you know the most prominent team on the planet that's won the most tournaments. Mm-hmm. I, I mean the, the the talent pool. I kind of have to laugh because they go, well, the men's team hasn't won the FIFA you know FIFA World Cup or whatever. Okay, well that means you don't have the right talent pool, and the rest of the world is above exactly. you. Exactly. So that means you're not selecting the proper players, right, to put on the roster. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. just like you're saying, okay, the Houston Power never competes in the WWE Championship because, you know, the Boston <laughs> yeah. Renegades are always in the championship, right? Well, technically, yeah. I'm assuming the Boston Renegades have probably the better skillful players, right? Or they're working harder or their coaching right. staff is a lot more, yeah, right? So there's sure yeah so that's what i'm saying it's like you can't compare oranges to apples and then turn around and go okay well the 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 apple here doesn't deserve what the orange it's like it's just uh, right drives me insane and then that's the thing is i mean like you have to even the playing field here you know even though like women's and, and women's athletes in general like when you talk about soccer you talk about football you talk about even hockey we don't learn that game from a very young age we we come in Correct. like maybe middle school we don't come mm-hmm. in at, like, two and three and four. Like, you know, like most of the guys, they're in the toddler, the, the little leagues and stuff like that, and then they move forward. Women don't do that. So we are going to be accident prone because we're not shown those basics. By the time we get in, it's right. just kind of like go out there and hit somebody, you know. And and that's part of the problem, too. Um, and so you have to take that into account. You know, give us the resources that we need so we can educate ourselves properly so that there aren't so many injuries. And not only that, give us the resources that we need so that we can shine the same way that we allow the guys to do, you know. A lot of it has to do with financial and not so much yeah. how we get to an equality stage. It really has to do with finances. Yeah. You know, do they deserve the bigger money because, but they don't have the fanfare. It's really what it boils down to right. when you look at that, you know, the whole battle, right? Do they deserve the money yeah. because they have no fanfare? The guys have the money because they have the fanfare. Well, yeah, but, when you start looking in perspective, right, the reason the guys have the money is because the sport was built in the 1930s. And they've played right. you know, soccer internationally for, what, generations, right? Exactly. And so FIFA is like... Huge... And it's something that's ingrained, yeah. Right. It's ingrained. You know, it, it's a simple sport. It's played on every continent. Um, the women's yeah. sport, like I said, it hasn't been prominent, even globally, hasn't been prominent for 15 years. 15 years or even that. Right. So... You know, yeah. I really blame I really blame FIFA, to be honest with you. I, I don't even want to blame the U.S. Soccer Federation. The leadership at FIFA has failed the women's side. I mean, they, they're yeah. the ones that should be driving the message. They're the ones that should be setting the platform. They're the ones that should be, you know, bringing the message down to the, to the uh, individual federations in each continent, right? They're the ones that should be yeah, setting I the pace. And they're allowing individual division within, con- within countries to decide – you know whether this is something we got to fix when, in reality, the uh, mm-hmm. the money pool for the women's international uh, matches is not nowhere near the men, and they could, you know, they don't have to go equal, but they could get it to a level where you know it is a, a lot more affordable and a lot more sustainable, but they they refuse yeah, to do it. I so mean, I really think, I think I really think FIFA is more of an issue than anything else. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if they should set the standard, I mean, I feel like it's just like with anything else, like 
it, you're no better than the head. So if, if your head is split, then the rest of the body is not going to work, right? So since they yeah. are the governing body, they should have set the standard. Yeah, because that's why I feel like it's like you can pinpoint that, you know, the U.S. team is the best, but you got Germany, you got Japan, you got you got like three right. three countries on the women's stage that are very good. And either of them can yeah. knock each other out. Nobody's become close to knocking the U.S. out, but that doesn't say that the next tournament, you know, Japan, Germany, or whoever else is not going to be able to knock out the U.S. So the the competition level, right. what I'm saying, is like their 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 claim is the skill level is not as great as as the men's. Okay, uh, at this point, it's not. It's a totally different game. That's the reason we're asking you to support mm-hmm. it. That's the reason we're asking you to fund it, so you can get right. other fans excited on this game. Right, I mean they got right. they have beach soccer, right? They got indoor soccer in terms of the yeah. of FIFA scale, and they support that on a lot of funding <laughs> and on the men's yeah. side. And so it's like, uh, it's just it's frustrating to just to see that they're not they're not really in tune with you know it's a brand that you can expand on. In other words, it's a brand that you can just draw in more fans, right? That's a brand that you can, inc- yeah. you can increase revenue with your sponsors. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Right. Just doesn't make sense as a big gorilla. Yeah. Not so inclusive. Uh, and, and given the fact they don't see, they don't see future dollar signs is what I'm saying. They're seeing resistance now mm-hmm. when they could be seeing future dollar signs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. They're definitely not um, looking at it long term. No, they're not. Um, Tabitha, so what tell us tell me a little bit about okay, how do we come about with the, the name Stadium Queens for your blog? So, um, in thinking about the names, um, I felt like I wanted something that was going to make females feel empowered, and I wanted mm-hmm. it to to also be about football because it is about football. The blog is about female football. Um, semi-professional since we don't necessarily have professional yet um, football players. And so the level of game that we're playing, we have to be the, the queen, the queen of the ring, you know, thing. And so that's what I, I kind of came up with. So um, we are at the top of our game. And that's what a queen is to me. Like that's the upper echelon of everything. So, And it's the stadium because that's where we play it. Wow. So, and your blog was, like I said, your your whole mindset at this point with your blog is really just your pieces are done, well done in terms of a, you know, understanding of what players have to deal with, obviously in a non-NFL type of revenue or mentality or all the struggles on it. Um, so I think those are impactful because, like you said, some of the sacrifices that go through to play the sport. Yeah. For sure, and it's that's something that I always wanted to to bring to light. There's so many people that you know. You hear stories when you're on the field, people who are playing with adversity, they're playing with uh, disorders, they're playing with you know, playing through pain, playing through PTSD. Like football helps so much stuff, you know. And and for females, even a lot of females don't realize how how impactful football can be. Playing it. Um, it, supporting it. So I, I wanted that story out too. I wanted people to be able to see the other side of it, not just like, you know, talking about the game, but talking about how 
playing football helped this person get get through depression or playing football helped this person, you know, supersede something that they felt like they couldn't overcome previously too. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of players that can relate to that. Um, I mean, generational too. Back to the, you know, go back to the Toledo yeah. Troopers, and a lot of stories haven't been told. So it's really nice that you know you're bringing those things to light. Uh, you know, at some point maybe you know you collect enough of these, you might have to write a book and just put it together in a yeah. format where it's you know nice and concise to where people can actually you know dive into the sport in, a, in an emotional sense, not on the on-field play type mentality. Yeah, and, and you know, you get that. I, there's a lot of um, blogs out there that kind of cover the play-by-play for different teams. And so I, I felt like doing another blog like that would kind of be redundant. And so I wanted mm-hmm. to tell women's football from a different story. So, like, from diff- a different angle, I mean. All right. Um I don't know if you, you know, thank you for following us on Twitter, um, you know, big platforms. Uh, we try to do our best to bring awareness to the sport. We've done it a long time. We built a lot of networks, so yeah. you're welcome to kind of network with us as well. Uh, all we do is try to bring awareness to the sport on a global scale, on a social media scale. Um, you know, it's basically our, it's been our passion since 2009. Um, and it's something that, you know, there's a lot of other folks internationally that are very passionate and we work with a lot of people internationally you know, from Europe all the way to Australia to Mexico to Central America, all those places. So um, a lot of people uh, really want the sport to grow and not just in the U.S., but ultimately, you know, just make it a a global, make a global statement to make people aware that, you know, women do play American football just like they, you know, the NFL and all the other leagues in Europe and semi-pro leagues and stuff like that. So it's really nice that, you know, we have folks like you, ourselves, other people that are bringing attention. Yeah, for sure. I've been following you all for uh, at least six um, or so years now, and I, I love the work that y'all do. You, you all definitely um, gave me insight on on the inner workings of different leagues, and and uh, I appreciate all you know all the stories that you all were able to bring to me. Um, so I'm definitely following. I was following before. <laughs> I wouldn't stop now. Yeah, and, and you know what? We try to, like, when we first started, uh, we're on the same boat you were with your blog right now where you're trying to exp- kind of bring to light a lot of things. You know, when I started doing this, uh, everybody said, you know, this is nobody's going to like it, nobody's going to care about it. Uh, we got all the, you know, all the naysayers, as they say, when you get started. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I don't I don't believe in that. I, I To me, it's like, you know, I come from a military background. You know, if the enemy is to bring awareness, then we got to defeat the enemy. The enemy is to get the enemy to know Absolutely. that we're here, you know, to know that we're Absolutely, a front yeah. and center. Um, so, you know, we, we, I couldn't do it by myself. And so I'm a, I'm a big networking guy. I like to network with people because I think networking gives you a lot of power and first and foremost, but it also brings you a lot of, you know, knowledge from other people that you wouldn't have acquired by yourself. So it gives you a kind of a heads up and then, you know, it makes it so much easier now because when you have, you know, people in different aspects of the country or, or internationally, like we do with social media, it's so nice to have, you know, a resource to go to and they give you feedback instantly, you know, or within a couple hours or a couple of days yeah. and you're able to inform other people with that mentality. So um, I'm really appreciative of um, everybody that networks with us, you know, like I said, from Europe and, and uh, Australia, North America and everywhere else, uh, because they're as passionate as we are 
to uh, bring awareness to the sport. You know, we just had this huge event, Honduras. Unfortunately, uh, the players, because of the coronavirus, uh, three of the teams got pretty much locked down for about 14 days. So uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But uh, but we do have international events now happening where in, people would have never known about them in the past because we didn't have the social platforms that we have now. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I, I definitely agree with I work with whomever to get more more exposure if it will help. I'm for it for sure. Yeah. So Tabitha, tell us a little bit about what's uh, what's up for 2020 for you and your blog. Is it going to be more of the same? Are you coming up with any new content? Or what's the, what's your uh, on your mind? Well, you know, um, as as the the league, you know, start their seasons off, I definitely want to 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 do more of the same kinds of stories, but I want to do it from like uh, the perspective of a rookie or the perspective of a veteran or you know even the mm-hmm. perspective of a fan. Um, I come up with stories like on a weekly basis. Honestly, um, I don't see <laughs> why I would run out of anything because um, because it's so it's so prevalent. You know, it's so uh, there's so much stuff that's not being said um, that I feel like my uh, niche has kind of covered at this point. So um, it's just going to be more of the same, really, but um, but from different perspectives. I feel like pe- people can see see the same story three different ways, you know. Um, so I'm willing to, to tell all three ways. <laughs> are you retired? Are you still playing? Or this is your new focus? Uh, where, where are we at in, in your state? <laughs> So last year I got injured pretty badly. I tore my meniscus, uh, my patella tendon, and my ACL. Um, and so I'm, yeah, so I'm recovering, but still playing ish. Um, I've been cleared to play, but I don't know that I'm gonna uh, just play full full throttle, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm still playing, but at the same time, I feel like this. I'm probably not going to be playing for much longer. So um, I don't want to disconnect from football. So this is my new focus as far as football is concerned. So it's more of a, you know, we have like certain players that are still volunteering either in coaching state or there's certain players that go into a volunteer state where they're helping the team with, you know, social media, uh, you know, helping out in other formats because they still love the team or they still want to be part of the team or they want to be involved with, you know, the sport itself. Is that where you're at right now? Yeah. Yeah, uh, pretty much. I mean, I helped out with um, the Houston Power, of course, um, doing some of their, like, management and stuff like that, but not not full-time. And I didn't want it to be just team-specific. I wanted it to be sport-specific. I wanted to find a way of bringing women's football to the to the forefront. So being just connected to one team wouldn't do that. Um, so that's kind of why I created this blog. And and right now, the reason that I have more um, Houston Power players on my stories is because um, this is where I, I'm at, right? I'm in Houston. And when you reach out to different teams in Houston, um, it's whoever answers me back quickest. <laughs> so um, if I have a story and I'm asking for your assistance, you know, respond so that you can, you know, you can get your light shine too, basically. Yeah. And then, you know, collecting things, 
uh, getting people to come back to you, and then that takes a lot of you know a little a little bit of resource, and then you got to put it in perspective right. in terms of a writing. Um, so a lot of people don't think you know they oh it's just a blog. No, it's not just a blog. Right. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a lot of homework and, and a lot of things to kind of figure out where you're going to start, how you're going to display it. Uh, initially, right. I wanted to do that myself, but I just don't have that knack for it. So I was like, why would I go that yeah. route? Because I don't have the knack for it. It takes, um, it, it takes real planning, real deadlines, and a whole lot of anxiety. <laughs> anxiety is for sure. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. It takes a lot. I, I mean, I, I used to do stuff like, you know, you go to college and you have to do like essays and, and I hated doing essays. I think a blog is in that same yeah. scope. So, like I'm not doing that. It is. It's true. It's true. I do. I have, I have a whole lot. Of, I mean, right before I hit that publish button, I'm already like, where's my drink? Where's my sweets? I need something because I need a cigarette. I don't even smoke. I'm just like, whatever I can do. Um, because there's a lot no of alcohol. Doesn't hurt either. <laughs> right, yeah, something. <laughs> yeah, um, no, yeah. I, 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 I can relate to you because uh, I've sat sometimes, um, you know, on on Word, and I've typed yeah. stuff up, you know, just letters for certain things, and just just for business sense, into myself, and I'm like, man, this is hard. <laughs> when you put you have yeah. to put sentences together and words together and make it set, make it. In other words, it's like a presentation in a way where, you know, your your right. audience and you and then you go, okay, what do I want to tell the audience and what do they want? What do I want them to get out of it? And man, it takes a long time. As as my wife would say, you know, your brain, you've been brainstorming for three hours. Have you typed anything? <laughs> I'm going looking at her like, oh, get away from me right now. <laughs> right, three three hours is good because I will sit there with the computer for like a day. And then it'll just sit there and it'll be on and it'll have like maybe like a rough title. And then tomorrow I'll actually type. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it's just the, it's the idea of wanting it to be received correctly and um, yeah. to know that you only have that one opportunity to tell this story. Cause if I go back and I revise it, it's still a revision. And so yeah. the first thing that you already read, that's already in your mind, even if I revise it. So mm -hmm. it's better for me to get it across to you the first time the right way you know was this something of a passion for you all through your career like more of a journalistic you know blog or expressionist type of person because a lot of people that do blogging are really good at description you know bringing attention uh topic it's it's you know it's it's kind of a knack in a way so yes and no. Um, I actually my my background is musical, which is still expression, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then I used to do like a lot of creative writing. It only um, I, I've also I've also been one of those people who likes to stand behind causes, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And so I never put two and two together to want to write about it. But now that I'm doing it, um, it feels really natural to me to do. It, it's not. Yeah, I wouldn't go backwards on that. And, I, I mean, I thought about doing a blog um, even for it. Not a blog, but a, a podcast for it. But I don't think I'm there yet. I think that right now it's better for me to focus on, on the stories in blog form. Yeah, it's, it's tough because um, you can put yourself in a situation where you feel like, okay, I'm not strong enough for that, right? And then you're like, I don't want to ruin yeah. something that I'm not really good at yet. 
Um, so, there, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of drawbacks to it. I mean, when I started doing this, the same thing. It's basically just a Facebook page, you know, and you everybody was hanging out at Club Burmy. And then from there, you know, every mm-hmm. migrated. And I wanted to be different than Club Burmy in a way. And then right. I wanted to bring it up more of an ESPN-style formatting, you know, where it's like resourceful, uh, getting more people to feed right. me information and stories and expose right. the sport beyond North America, you know, and, and, and let them know exactly, yeah. you know, the sport is played in the, the sport is played in little island of Guam of all places. Right. <laughs> Nobody would, it was played yeah. in Guam. Um, but you know, I, that's, so we got to find our knack and, and sort of like, uh, you know, drive our passion that way for it. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes the problem is, is that people, I mean, you want, you want it to be seen so much that you do too much. Right. So if I'm right. really good at writing, maybe I shouldn't be trying to do a podcast. Or maybe if I'm really good at, at podcasting, maybe, you know, I'm not great at, you know, the social media aspect. Maybe I should hire somebody who can do that. I mean, sometimes right. when you try to do too much, um, you fail at the thing that you're great at. So I, I don't know. I'm still finding my way with a lot of things. Um, but I know that the blog is, it's, you know, it's taking off by itself. Um, and so... I'm definitely going to stay there for now. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if you need help with uh, monetization or anything like that, you can always chime in for me. Uh, you know, there's ways to get your blog out there and uh, get the referral, uh, you know, income. And there's a lot of ways to make money yeah. if people just look into it. And so helps you out and ultimately too, because bottom line is we all have to survive at some point, you know, we all, we're, we're doing it for free right. here, but at some point has, somebody's got to pay the bills as my grandfather would say. So at, at the end of the day, the bill's got to get paid. <laughs> so, uh, Tal, this has been very, uh, very informative. Uh, thank you for bring, uh, coming on to the po- uh, podcast. Uh, looking forward to another chat with you. Uh, success with the blog. We're hoping the WFA season will, you know, start up in May. And then maybe, you know, yeah. we can chime in in the middle of the season, talk about, you know, uh, where we're at in terms of the middle of the season, maybe where we're at at the end of the season and what we're looking forward to and exciting for, you know, for both championships, the one in New Mexico at this point and the other one in Golden, Colorado. So I think everybody's going to be pretty excited for both. Absolutely. It was an honor and a pleasure being on here today. And I definitely, you know, look forward to coming back and talking with you and, and reaching out with out to out to you in the future for any type of, you know, tips and tricks that you might have for me. So I, I definitely enjoyed myself. All right. You're welcome. Anytime, just uh, let me know when you want to come on. And uh, looking forward to, you know, talking uh, women's football and football in general. So uh, continued success with your blog. We'll be, uh, you know, chiming in at uh, at Stadium Queens. And that's also, I believe, on Instagram also, right? Yeah. It's Stadium Queens on uh, Twitter, Facebook. It's Stadium Queens, Instagram. It's Stadium Queens. And the website is www.stadium-queens.com. All right, guys. So go ahead, follow Tabitha, and uh, you know chime in. And she's got some very, uh, really good pieces out there. And so if you haven't uh, explored that yet, go to the, her links on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you'll be enlightened about everything that's happening in women's in the women's game and some of the sacrifices that the players have to go through. So Tabitha, thanks again for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. It was a pleasure. All right, guys. So we go from uh, Tabitha, really, uh, really an inspiring uh, young lady here, and she's taken the ropes and turned to 
kind of express what the players go through in terms of, you know, uh, insurance coverage, non-insurance coverage, emotions. Like she said, a lot of the players' outlets, if the sport becomes an outlet for them. So very interesting. So uh, you can go on Twitter, probably the fastest way, and you can get the links there as well at Stadium Queens. Uh, so we're going to go in the second huddle, uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And we're going to be talking to the talented uh, uh, Tanya Walter, formerly Tanya, I believe, Hernandez. And so she is part of the YEG uh, Female Football Collective out of uh, Alberta, Canada, Edmonton, to be precise. So let's bring in uh, Tanya Walter. What's going on, Tanya? Not much. How are you? A uh, long time haven't spoken on message and stuff. So things you're doing up north. So I just wanted to kind of bring you on so we can give you some shout out and uh, pretty awesome uh, things you got going on over there at the YEG. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on today. Uh, Tanya, are you retired? Uh, silver medalist for, you know, Team Canada and then Edmonton Storm. And where's Tanya Walter today? Um, so I'm still actually playing in WWCFL, um, hoping to have a chance at representing Team Canada again next year if everything goes yeah. well. Um, I also just recently transitioned from being a full-time personal and athletic trainer into working for Edmonton's Minor Football Association. So I'm now their technical director. Sorry? So congratulations. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah. So it's super exciting um, to really be able to take on a role where I can accomplish things that I was already trying to work on and trying to build, um, but have that as a professional um, position and being able to really affect more change and accomplish more and all of that good stuff. Well, Tanya, uh, you have um... – you know, the, 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 the team, the sport has grown a lot, especially the WWCFL, a lot more prominent now. Probably the be, the only league that you could need to follow technically besides the Maritime, but in terms of visibility, and it's grown a lot. Um, Edmonton's grown a lot. The rivalry between Calgary and Edmonton has grown on the west side. Not so much in terms of, you know, taking over the Saskatchewan wing, which is Regina and, uh, and uh, Saskatoon, which is probably the focus for most fans. So where do you think the w, WWCFL is going? Uh, as we get as we head into 2020 um i think we're really starting to transition to be more of an elite football league i know when i started playing eight or so years ago um we really we didn't have we had a lot of very dedicated women to the sport Uh, we didn't have a lot of um, high caliber athletes at the time. And I think that's been really one of the biggest transitions, at least on the kind of Alberta part of the WWCFL is we're starting to recruit and we're starting to see a lot more of that higher end athlete. Um, the age range I would say has definitely dropped down, which in that sense, we're getting a lot of younger, more prominent athletes right out of the gate. So we're actually being able to develop them into football players. And I think a big part of that now is to, at least in Edmonton, with starting our girls league, within the next couple of years, you're going to see a huge change in how our league and how our team looks within the province as well. Um, But going into 2020, um, obviously right now with everything, we're kind of on hold at the moment, uh, hoping that we will get to see a season this year. But we're looking really good. We're 
getting the size of our team up, we're getting more recognition, and it's all going fairly well. Now, the rivalry in, uh, against Calgary and Edmonton, I mean, not as big as probably as, you know, the CFL rivalry between the two teams, but it is building up to be a good rivalry. Calgary's really stepped up the last couple seasons, and uh, Edmonton's always in the mix in terms of the west side. So that's got to speak volumes for you guys. And, and giving, uh, you know, the, the programs like in Manitoba and given the program that you've got going on here with the YEG, um, it's really going to be an influx of, you know, new, t- new roster talent, but also the, the youth tackle side between flag and tackle programs really is going to infuse the league for future uh, years to come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my biggest driving force behind wanting to start a girls league, it all initiated from wanting to see better caliber play within the WWCFL. And I knew without having essentially a feeder league and somewhere where girls could start to play younger than 18, that it really wasn't going to take off and it really wasn't going to progress as much as I wanted it to. Um, So it kind of started off in these like interesting kind of selfish reasonings. And then the more I got into it, the more I was like, there's, there's so many girls that want to play and never knew they had the opportunity to play. And it's been, it's been amazing just over the last two years, um, being able to see how many girls are so passionate about football and are so interested in playing football. And I always thought that I would kind of have to kind of fight to be able to start a division for the girls and that I'd have to like beg and plead girls to come out and play. But I mean, once we made it an opportunity, it kind of just took off on its own, which has been really great. And coming back a second year, um, it's been amazing to see how much growth we've been able to accomplish and how much positivity and how much surprise, I think, from some of the parents that end up involved and some of the newer girls of, like, where we are already at only two years in. Um, Tanya, how do you tackle the, you know, some people say, okay, well, girls are playing football and then they're going to get CT at an earlier age and, you know, all these other negatives that come with the sport. So, um, you know, is that something you get sometimes too when somebody's going to try to play the sport and maybe a parent's concerned with that? Yeah, that's definitely something that I've had to deal with on a fairly regular basis. I always default back to, first of all, um, football's done a lot, both Football U.S., Football Canada, with implementing um, safety procedures and proper concussion protocol and teaching coaches how to teach tackling properly and safely. I mean, the entire game in the last like five to eight years has been completely uprooted and changed. Um, There's been a lot of culture change. There's been a lot of physical change to how you can run a practice and what's expected. And I think being able to kind of fall back on that when I'm explaining it to people is really nice, but also just, you know, talking about how realistically you can get hurt doing anything. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say you're just at more risk in football by any means. I mean, any sport you can get hurt. And when you look at it and some of the studies that are starting to come out, we're slowly realizing that football actually isn't necessarily that number one sport. Football is the one that's reported because we have to, because we're taking care of those players that are sustaining concussions, but you have a lot of other sports that just, it's not really paid attention to. Um, Tanya, what, what do you uh, attribute uh, the flag to the tackle? Is that there was, was there already like a flag interest or build up a flag in that, in that area you were in? And then the girls now that decided, Hey, I, I want to try tackle or what, what was your, you know, your feeling behind 
when they came out and they said, I, I want to play tackle, did, did they start in flag or were they participating in flag? Uh, we have a pretty developed junior high um, flag division out here or flag league, I guess. Uh, we also, mm-hmm. two years ago, the high school started uh, girls flag as well in the high schools. So there's been a lot of growth flag wise for both females and males. Cause realistically up here, even on the male side, flag isn't a super developed sport. Um, it's, relatively new and it's still very much growing so I would say we have a good handful of girls that come from a flag background Um, but there's a surprising amount of girls that come from like just different sports I mean this year we have some competitive figure skaters we have competitive dancers we have horseback riders we have um, you know volleyball players basketball players like it's just girls that want to play more sports and want to do something different. So I've found it very interesting that we, I would say we end up with girls that play more like not those kind of big three sports, basketball, volleyball, soccer, and a little bit more towards some of those um, less obvious sports, which I think is really cool and really unique to see that crossover. Um, Tanya, what is the structure there? Is it uh, nutrition? Do you guys stress, you know, uh, what, is it in terms of the YEG? Is it something that you guys have formulated certain things and certain uh, standards for the players to participate, to minimize injury and all that other stuff? So the, the guidelines, I mean, in general. Yeah, so the YEG Female Football Collective is actually just kind of my, like, essentially it's a social media platform. So it doesn't actually okay. run – the girls league that's actually ran under the uh, not-for-profit that I work for the capital district minor football association. Um, I just do a lot of promotion through the collective, which was kind of the purpose behind starting it. But um, Mm -hmm. it was nice because the capital district minor football association already is very prominent and exists in the football community. It was really easy to come in and start girls programming because you would have the individual clubs who decided they wanted to step up and be part of it. They already have all the infrastructure in place to make something like that happen. So it was great because we didn't really have to build anything necessarily from scratch. We already had all of that infrastructure set up and waiting for us. Um, So, I mean, standard wise, we run the program very similar to how we would run any of the like the boys or the mixed teams the bantam and the pv and the atom um the one thing that we've done a little bit differently which is kind of unique in the football world is we've actually ran at the beginning of the season we've run combined club team practices so instead of right off the bat having all of the different clubs and teams practicing on their own we've actually had them come together so that we have like this year we had uh, nine teams practicing amongst each other rather than just practicing on their own. So with building community and with building awareness, I think that's been a really, really big thing that's helped with that. So, I mean, it's just the standard basically stay the same across the board. Um, We've really had no major issues with anything like that. Everyone's been very supportive and very, um, welcoming, so it's been good. Now, uh, what are you most proud of? Uh, two years in, what would you be? What would you say what you're the most proud of right now in terms of where you're at with the program? Um, I think right now it's 
that we were able to grow that from 48 girls the first season where we were um, even towards the end, like the team that I coached last year, we were like, okay, we have seven players. Like we need another one. So we found one more Then one got injured. Then we added one more. Um, and those eight players were the ones that ended up winning the championship. But I think the thing that I'm the proudest of is just seeing the girls that had such a good time and enjoyed themselves the first year with such a great experience kind of go out into their community and just bring more people in. Um, there was a lot of organic growth, which that's what happens when you give them a good experience. If girls have a good experience or just people in general, they want people to experience it as well. So those 48 girls, I think we only have maybe four or five that didn't return. And I think most of them, it was because they aged out. Um, but we are up to 122 girls registered for this season. So that's been a that's really great. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. I mean, I wouldn't say we did a whole lot in the off season. It, um, it, we really didn't work a whole lot for that growth, which is nice. It's a testament to the work that we put in initially in that season and giving that experience in order for it to just grow organically. Tanya, what do you, what do you hear from the parent? Like the player obviously gets the training. They get to, you know, socialize with other players. They get to be in a competitive state, right? Because they got the team loyalty and the mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's a movement in some sorts, but it's also an outlet for them to kind of, you know, hang out with other other similar players or other girls and stuff like that. So what do you hear from the parents in terms of their feedback? I mean, are you getting like, you know, hugs, attaboys, uh, being grateful that obviously you're giving them an outlet to, you know, for a lot of things, not just uh, football itself, but for life skills and things like that? Yes, I have heard nothing but positives from parents involved in the program. Um, I think one of the really unique things that I heard last year was um, one of our players, she had a brother who also played football. And um, just talking to her mom, she kind of talked about how, you know, she has a son and a daughter that kind of maybe didn't have a whole lot in common to start with, like, initially. And then all of a sudden they had something like football that brought them even just a little bit closer together. You know, they had that that kind of that thing that they could bond over, which they maybe didn't necessarily have before. So I think there's a lot of power in bringing families together in that sense. Um, I mean, you don't have a true football family until like everyone is involved. It's not just having a couple of sons that play football and then a daughter that does their own thing, but to actually have like, okay, all my kids play football is pretty unique. Um, I think another big thing going into this season was having parents come out and the amount of times that they would say how surprised they were that there was this many girls. Um, I know we had one parent come out who didn't really know what to expect. He was kind of on the fence about letting his daughter play. And he came out and he was just astounded by how many girls were out there and how like focused and dedicated every girl in that field was. So nothing but good feedback from parents. Um, I think it just, you know, and even you have those girls that maybe weren't super active um, and you're giving them an outlet and something for them to be active with. So I think it does a lot of positive for not only family, like the girls themselves, but their families, their parents. Um, It's a really, I mean, football is family. Football is one of those sports where you become family more than anything. And I think that's really shown in the last couple of years. Well, Tanya, what, what a great job you've done. I mean, uh, that was the reason I want to bring you on and kind of spotlight what you've done there. And I'm pretty sure there's other people that help you out with the endeavor and everything else. But uh, 
you know, what, what a great thing for you um, to give back in a sense and also to just expose the sport uh, in a, at a level where, like you said, it, it needs to be exposed to where we can support a, a future sport. Uh, so that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's, uh, I mean, eight years ago, I would have probably never thought I would be where I am today. I would have never been able to guess. And it's just all, you know, just it's all really fallen into place. And um, I'm excited to see where I can go from here. What's your plan at this point? I know you have, I know in the States we have, you know, we have Dion Lee trying to do nationwide flag for girls in every high school. Uh, we have Utah football we have georgia in the states uh, indiana uh so there's a lot of outlets in terms of you know on the north american swing i know in mexico they're doing uh pretty much some of the girls start off on the on the boy squads and then they go into flag you know because it's a big deal for them in terms of international play um where is where is your you know your the canada state in other words is it take these girls to the wcfl and then uh, put them on team canada is that is that really what the sustainability will be? Yeah, I would say like right now, that's where I would like a lot of the hype would be around is WWCFL, Team Canada, Team Alberta, Nationals and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with the girls, I'm hoping, I mean, I've talked a little bit with the Utah um, organization and we're kind of looking at maybe long-term being able to maybe have a traveling team that goes, somewhere where there's girls football and plays a couple times a year um, to really help build up that exposure and to just give them a different look at the game as well and get to know more people that are like them. Uh, I think that Mm -hmm. will go a long way. I mean, ultimately kind of looking where I'm at in Alberta right now, like I would like to over the next couple of years, really be able to expand girls tackle football. I mean, I know I've talked to people in Calgary, I've talked to people in Lethbridge about their interest of starting it. And I know it's as simple as just, starting it you just got to do it um so kind of working with the communities around here to hopefully um you know eventually be able to host girls tackle football provincials up here um Mm -hmm. so to have it around the province so that we can do something like that and uh i mean we're set up this year with a couple provinces to run a u19 girls canada cup so kind of like a mini national um, so a couple of things like that. And I think just really trying to interconnect some of the communities. I think a lot of communities are working towards the same thing, but we just need to be able to come together a little bit and help out each other. Well, Tanya, uh, that type of tournament is one of the things that will stand out. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever done that before uh, besides Utah having, you know, the regular league. So that's going to be great for, you know, the growth of the sport, number one, but another level for the girls to participate in. And it takes them into a serious mode where at that point, obviously it's going to be in the WWCFL or it's going to be all representing your country, which is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with learning how to grow a sport, I think that's sometimes one of the biggest hurdles is um, parents or kids not seeing continuity. Um, If you don't, Mm -hmm. if there isn't a path to follow, sometimes it's harder to commit to something, but if you can see that it's like, okay, you're going to play in girls football and then you can move up the age division, then you can play for WWCFL, then you have access to play for team Alberta, team Canada. um, And even as a youth as well. I mean, in a perfect world, I would like to see in Canada that all of the current 
male programming is mirrored eventually on the female side. Now I know right now we just don't have the volume of players, but long-term, you know, you'd be able to have hopefully down the road, a U18 world championship for the girls, just like they do for the boys. All right. So I'm going to bring in uh, the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks here to kind of pick your brain on everything that's, you know, you've built up in Canada with the YEG and the FEMA collective and, the amazing work you're doing up there. So, Mackenzie, take it away. Hi, Tanya. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? You know, I'm a little bit under the weather, but I can't complain. It's another day, another <laughs> Tuesday on the podcast land. So, you know, I any chance I get to pick somebody's brain is a really good day for me because I love to learn stuff. So I'm excited that you're on the podcast. Thank you for coming. Yes, thank you for having me. Awesome. Okay, so uh, just a couple questions. So my first one, um, just kind of generalized. What what would you say is one of the you know one been one of the um, obstacles or more difficult things about you know putting together um, both these foundations? Um, I think one of the obstacles with kind of putting stuff like this together, um, a lot of the time, other sports will see a new sport developing as a little bit of a threat. Um, And a lot of the time they're not going to be as supportive of their athletes participating in other sports. Uh, When it comes down to it, I mean, especially in female sports, it really needs to be support from everyone um, from sport to sport, from female to female, we can't put up a bunch of walls and expect to be able to go somewhere if we're all kind of fighting for our own cause, because ultimately we're fighting for one in general. So I think it's just really trying to get everyone that can be part of the community in any way, shape or form to kind of be on the same page and support each other through everything. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of right. It kind of seems like, especially with, with, um, female sports alone, it kind of seems like we have to fight twice as hard to get a little bit of support for just one thing or one entity, you know, whether it's basketball, you know, American football, you know, any, any, any of the, I guess, male-dominated sports, if you, you know, if that's what we're going to call them now. Um, so it's always interesting to see how people react when something, when, when a new branch of, you know, that sport or a new into to that sport, you know, or something, you know, a branch off of that essential um, base of the sport is, you know, cre- is created. You know, people feel feel threatened, or kind of like you said, they feel threatened, or you know, seen as a challenge. You know, and they don't want to, they don't want their athletes kind of moving in between sports. But really, that's that's what you need for you know those sports and those other entities to grow. As far as being a female, you know, playing sports these days is, you know, the more support a woman, you know. So women have to support women, and I think, you know, I think that's what one of the biggest challenges is as well, um, along with everything that you've just stated. So this is definitely, yeah, oh, man, I can't, and I can't, you know, I just can't imagine, um, I know down here in the States where I'm from, I'm from Iowa, so it's it's already rough <laughs> um, playing football, you know, out of, you know, I played football for an Iowa-based team, I now play for a Nebraska-based team, and you know, even going from state to state, that's kind of hard. I can't imagine when it's like, you know, outside of the state like that. Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, I mean, there's always some hurdles. Um, and I mean, 
it, I definitely would say that one of the hardest things to fight against is like just getting women to support women. Um, I mean, <clears throat> with men, yes, there's going to be some that don't agree with women playing football currently right now. Um, I mean, I see that a lot. I hear that a lot. Um, I mean, a lot of people in Alberta still think if it's not 12 man, 12 boy football, that it's not football. Um, you know, the sports evolving and like flag football is still football, six man football is still football, nine man football is still football. It's, um, it just depends, you know, based on your program and based on where you're at, what program you need to run to make it the most successful. And I mean, in a, in kind of an era where you're starting to see a little bit of a drop um, in numbers with boys football, um, it's nice to be able to allow clubs the opportunity to bring in more membership through flag football and through girls football. And I know us as an organization in Edmonton are really hoping that um, the effect of bringing in new programming will help stimulate a little bit of growth back into that traditional programming as well. Yeah. And, you know, kind of like we just said, you know, it's, it's always, it's always difficult to keep that support going from sport to sport. So I think, you know, I think what you're doing with both of these, you know, these two foundations is just phenomenal. I mean, I can't imagine you know, having put something together like that and still keeping it going. That's, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, props to you, <laughs> you know, and props to all the help that you've had, because I know, you know, starting something fresh on top of something that's already not getting a lot of support is difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I've had a lot of really, really amazing people uh, support me through everything that I'm doing um, from people that are helping me with like photographs. I mean, for social media, that's such a big thing is having photographers at events so that you have pictures to be able to promote with. I mean, social media is kind of everything right now. Um, I mean, news promotion and all of that is all good, but where people are seeing things are social media and then up to, you know, all the amazing organizations that I work with now on a day-to-day basis. Um, just having the people within those organizations support kind of what my vision has always kind of been with girls football and uh, jump onto that train and be a part of it. Absolutely. You know, it, the so, social media now is, is for the most part, this, you know, this era and generation form of word of mouth. You know, oh, did you see this link on Facebook? Or, oh, did you see, you know, I shared this video, did you see it kind of thing. So, um, you know, you're definitely right as far as, you know, that's how people are seeing seeing, seeing things and discovering things. So, you know, even, even um, you know, bigger sports, you know, the bigger sports entities, that's how people, you know, are either normally seeing games or, you know, learning things about teams and players is, you know, mostly strictly from social media um, because, you know, we're, we live in a kind of a world now that that's the first place we go to is, oh, I didn't see it on here. Or, I, you know, instead of checking, like, a new site or checking the actual, you know, um, ESPN, Fox, you know, Fox Sports, all that, you know, all those major sporting engines, people always are like, oh, I didn't see that on, on here or I didn't see it on Twitter or, you know, what have you. So definitely, is you know, social media definitely, you know, plays a big part in getting, you know, getting those um, – you know, getting getting the word out, getting the awareness out. Um, my next question is is kind of on the flip. It's kind of on the flip side of this question. So, what would you say has been the most exciting part about putting both of these together? Um, 
I think the most exciting part is honestly just seeing, you know, the little girl inside me seeing the like excitement behind all these girls being involved in football and having the opportunity to play. Um, I just, I see so much of myself in every one of them who was just, I mean, I played sports and everything growing up. I played them all. Um, I loved sports, but I just never really felt like there was one where I was like, this is my jam. Like this is, this is what I love. And just seeing those girls feel that in a way that I never did until I found football as young as they are is really, really exciting. Yeah. You know, it's always kind of like you said, you know, most, most of us, um, you know, female football players that, you know, we have played other sports. So it's always, it's always great to see, you know, that gleaming look in a, in a younger girl's eyes or a younger woman's eyes, like, you know, hey, I can still, I can play football too. I don't have to, I, you know, I now don't have to wait until I'm out of high school or, you know, going into middle school to do it. You know, pe- girls can start playing at a younger age. And I think that, you know, that's going to be the all-around reaction, being able to see little girls have that, you know, that sparkle and twinkle in their eye, like, you know, this is something that I can do for a while. And it, it's going to have, you know, some kind of, long-term foundation to it. So I definitely, you know, I think I would have to agree with you as far as, you know, that kind of being a generalized um, across the board answer as far as being able to see the little girls do something and be able to grow with it instead of being like, you know, having them play for a couple years and, you know, just, you know, be shunned off because they're girls. No, because you can still play after, you know, middle school. You can still play after high school. You can still play after college. So I definitely have to agree with you. I think that's, you know, one of the biggest key things right there is, you know, and probably just keeping keeping the girls motivated. You know, like you said earlier, you know, having having girls see that you can play at an extended level, you know, outside of school age or to play at you know, play at an extended level outside of a certain point. So definitely, oh man. And I can't I can only imagine just, you know, being the founder and being being the creator of these and, and what kind of joy it's just brought you. Yeah, it's just, it's always so hard to explain. Like, there's just times where things happen, and I'm just like, it's like I'm going to explode because I'm so happy and so excited for what's going on. And it just, it's really something. And I mean, going into the second year where I've been able to kind of bring more people into it that I know. And I mean, um, my husband, he came out to one of our second practices and I mean, like, I was super amped after that practice because it was the first time that they were in equipment, and uh, it's super exciting for all of them. And I was like, man, like, we have some athletes out here. This is fantastic. But I actually think he was even more excited because he really hadn't seen – he had seen some games the first year, but to actually see, like, 80 girls together in equipment and see, like, what they're capable of doing, like, he was just, like – so surprised by the caliber of athletes that we have. So I think that's a huge testament um, to really see that excitement from other people and even getting some of my teammates out and involved in coaching and, um, you know, just how excited they get about that um, and what it's doing for them as well, even as players and as people. Um, it's so rewarding and so fantastic. Oh, I, I just, hearing that makes my heart happy. You know, hearing that, you know, people that are close to your husband, your teammates, you know, are seeing that, you know, that football can be played at a lower level and still be played at a high level as well. You know, that's, and I think that's the all-around goal with, you know, keeping little girls interested in 
playing, you know, playing football, if that's something that they want to do, is being able to keep them motivated. Like, you know, just, you know, those small things like you say, you know, having that first practice in equipment. You know, I I remember my first practice in, in equipment. I was, I, when I was younger, I was just like, oh, man, this is awesome. Like, I never thought I would be able to do this, you know, as a, you know, as a middle school girl going into high school and college, I never thought that I was going to ever, like, actually be able to do that. You know, have my own equipment, have my own players, you know, my own helmet, you know, my, you know, all my, my own jersey, all that cool stuff. You know, my siblings always had their own stuff because, you know, my, you know, my brothers played play football, and, you know, and then I was able to do it. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. So I definitely think, you know, having, you know, having those smaller pieces and getting that support each time is just amazing. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah, no, it's exciting. And even, I mean, after the first season, it was really cool. Because, I mean, we had, we did have some girls that were already playing on the local high school teams. Um, not a lot of them, um, but there was definitely a huge influx in 2018 with how many girls actually played in our local high schools. And, I mean, a lot of the time they're, they've been part of a high school team, but they're not generally getting a lot of playing time. But I mean, we had girls who were actually getting some playing time and getting out on the field and, it's really cool to see that. And I think it's so important to the growth of girls football too, because all those boys on that team, if they're around that, it becomes normal for them. And it becomes something that they're like, Oh, this girl can ball, like girls can play football. And then there's groups of boys that believe that. And then they're around other boys. And if they're saying, Oh, well, girls can't play football. They're like, no, 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 they can actually. And I think that's a huge thing in affecting change as well as having the support from the younger male generation that females can play football and that it's just a normal thing. I mean, eventually like uh, my niece actually, um, I mean, she grew up with her mom played football. Um, so she's never known any differently. Like to her girls play football. It's not a boy sport. It's a girl sport too. Like she has no concept of it not being available to her. So I think it's really unique. And eventually when that becomes the time when it's just like, you know, basketball, it's like, oh yeah, girls and boys play basketball. And it's like, okay, no football. Okay. Girls and boys play football. And it's not even questioned anymore. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, as a, as the sport of football as a whole, I think that's what we're still trying to get, you know, get to as a point to where everybody starts, you know, everybody is seeing, that football is, you know, is a unisex sport. It's not just a male sport, and women, women and girls don't just play type of football. It's football. You know, we both enjoy it. We both play it. It's not one side or the other. And I think, I think we have to start looking at most sports like that is what you know, one side or the, is together, and not either or. Yeah, and I think it does amazing things, too, for, I mean, the bigger organizations like the NFL and the CFL. I mean, their main thing is trying to get viewership up. I know up here in the CFL, that's a huge thing right now. And when you can get more people interested and involved and exposed to football, that's going to help that no matter what. Um, But I think, and then when you open it up to having, like, not just the boys, but now you have the females, you've essentially doubled your population of people that are interested in football. So you've doubled your fan base, you've doubled interest. Like that's a huge, huge thing. And it just really like these little grassroots programs, this minor football is really where everything starts. I mean, you can't have an elite program without having 
the young football. Like you can't have elite high school football if you don't have a good peewee program or a good Adam program or a good Bantam program. You need those. Those are very, very important for development. Absolutely, you know, because those, those, you know, those the developmental programs is where you learn your foundation. That's where you learn your fundamentals. You know, as far as the mental game, the physical game, technique, you know, the whole entire, the whole entire, you know, foundational being of the sport of football is where you, in those lower levels, is where you, you learn, and even up through, you know, grade school, K one, twelve. Um, you know, even a little bit of college, uh, depending on, you know, your position and, you know, you know, all the logistics and stuff like that. So kind of, you know, just like you said, it, you know, it's important to have those, those smaller, you know, foundational, you know, clubs, programs, um, thing, you know, things like that. Um, and this is my last question, uh, kind of more of a neutral one. So if you could change anything as far as, the process to get get as far as getting to where you you are now with um, both of these both of these uh, foundations and um, organizations. What would it be and why? Um, something. Um, well, not being temporarily shut down right now would be great. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that. Um, that's a really good question. I think, I think if I was to be able, like, if I could change anything, um, I would want to change, um, I guess, kind of just like society's like management of females, like how we treat them and how, you know, um, I mean, there's still very much people that think that like, sports aren't a priority for females and that there's other things they should be doing. And I think that's kind of, you know, still something that women's sports as a whole struggle with is that, um, and I've worked in sport um, facilities where like parents are willing to throw money at programs for their, their little boy. But as soon as it's their little girl, they're like nickeling and diming. Like they're like, Oh, no, that's, that's too expensive. Yet they just dropped thousands of dollars on their, um, young male athlete. And I think like no one's, you know, purposely deciding that, but it's just kind of that concept of where, you know, we see females as viable athletes and talented athletes and that we want to play at just as high a level as the boys and the males. And I think if that was like one thing that I could collectively change, um, it would definitely be making the journey a lot easier. Oh wow! Um, I we're totally on the same wavelength with everything that you just said, you know. And I think that's it right there. Is you know, kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit ago, as far as being able to see sports as just sports and not being able to see them as just you know men's sports or women's sports or boys sports or girls sports. It's sports are sports. Sports should not have you know a gender identity attached to them because you know if. if they just shouldn't, and you're absolutely right as far as the um, the views and treatment of women in society in terms of um, playing sports or you know working in this uh, sporting industry, whether it be you know facilities management, being a part of the athlete, being you know being a coach, things of that nature. And I think you know with that having you know being a goal is essentially to see things 
or have things being seen as equal, I think will essentially make that journey um, in general easier. So absolutely. Well, I love that girl. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of things that ultimately we're always going to have to continue to fight against. Um, But I mean, in the end, I guess it just really makes it seem that much more valuable once we finally get there. Absolutely. Oh man. You know, and I'm, I think I pretty much picked your, picked your brain. Whew, man, I love that. All right. You know, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm going to um, turn it back over to Oscar. Um, hopefully this temporary shutdown does not last very long. Hopefully. Cause I mean, I don't know how many more months I can go without, uh, you know, myself personally getting to hit anyone, um, let alone, I know I have a bunch of girls <laughs> like, just like clawing, ready to go. So hopefully we're back to normal soon. Oh, I know I feel that we, you know, we've had some some of the same issues here in the states, and it's been about a week or so, and I'm just like, this is not. I'm not digging this at all. I mean, I'm I'm just like, there's not practice or anything, and I just kind of don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, I feel you on that. Oh, man. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and turn it back over to Oscar. Yes, thank you so much. Coming in, making the time. I know you're a busy lady, and I really, really appreciate you coming on and kind of give us our audience a perspective on what's happening with your program up in Canada and, you know, the future vision that you have for it. Um, A talented player yourself. Uh, You've been on a lot of good Edmonton Storm teams. Um, You know, the, the future of the WWCFL sort of starts here in a, in a sense. Um, you got Manitoba yourself. Um, so two good programs. And so we're mm-hmm. looking forward to everything that you're going to be, you know, bringing forward and the excitement that it's going to bring to not just yourself, but like you said, to the, the future generations that will probably roster on the uh, team Canada or WWCFL future rosters. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have a, we'll have a powerful group coming up from here. That's for sure. Tanya, thank you again. Um, can you let everybody know where to follow you, um, where to, um, you know, interact with you, and if you're in Canada, where to come out and probably support you and kind of, you know, take a, take a look at all these young, talented athletes that are going to be brewing off the uh, YEG? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess the biggest thing is uh, the YEG Female Football Collective. So I'm on Instagram at YEGFFC. I'm on Facebook. Um just opened a Twitter account, haven't done a lot there yet. Um, or my personal Instagram as well is at tans, T-A-N-Z-Z-3-2. Um, those are kind of my main interactions through there. Uh, when it comes to anything locally in the area, uh, I really use the collective to be able to market and talk about and kind of have one spot you can go to to find out, like, if there's girls or women's football going on, where is it? it'll be on there. So that'll kind of encompass everything that anyone would need to know. All right, Tanya, amazing, talented uh, woman on the field. You are obviously off the field as well. And I, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us uh, the awareness of your uh, program. Look forward to maybe in a future uh, update as well as the season kicks off. And then we're going to look forward to the still photos and the amazing photographers that you uh, are supporting you. And so we're showcasing those on obviously on our page as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was very much appreciated. 
All right, Tanya, thank you again. Uh, safe travels. Looking forward to the season to kick off, like all of us. And I, I hope, uh, you know, you stay safe and your family as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You too. All right, uh, Mackenzie, there you are. Uh, Tanya Walter, uh, she uh, created this YEG collective and uh, basically in the same kind of uh, birth effect that Utah Girls you know, tackle football was created. Manitoba was created. Um, a, a nice, um, you know, I, w- I want to call it a pioneer because she's really what it is, is a pioneer. And she's trying to, you know, keep the WTFL uh, to be relevant. And by doing that, obviously, we got to have a feeder system. And this is it. She's done a great job for two years. Yeah, you know, I just, anytime that I can talk to somebody who has, you know, started a new initiative to, you know, get get the, you know, get the awareness of women's tackle football out there is already on my on my my list of inspiration because it it takes a different kind of patience and, and self motivation to to get something started, let alone keeping it going for you know for for a while. Um, because I mean, there's been so many times you know we've seen and heard different things, and you know, unfortunately, they either don't work out or they don't work out the way we initially think they are. So having, you know, being able to see all this stuff happening, being able to see how it's happening and who is, who's running it, um, it's kind of, you know, the cream of the crop as far as um, the process is concerned. And I think people appreciate the process of how you got to somewhere or got to a certain goal or something than the actual goal itself. All right. Um, so if you guys want to follow her, it's YEG, the Female Football Collective on Facebook, and then you're able to get the links there for Instagram and every and everywhere else as well. Um, Mackenzie, uh, were you hoarding uh, toilet paper out there? I didn't see you on any other vi- oh. any of the videos, the viral videos. Oh, no, and I don't have to see Oscar. Look, man, this is this is just too much. First of all. These people act like y'all gonna be stuck in a house or stuck in somewhere for. I think they're more scared they're like gonna be stuck years. with their kids for about a month. <laughs> That's my fault. Yeah, that was my know, feeling and, and I'm not, Right. You know, and I'm not saying that because I I know some people personally that you know already have medical issues that are already quarantined. Those are not the people I'm talking about. I'm talking about these people that are out here at Costco and the Walmart. And you know the the Sam's Club out here buying toilet paper like is going out of style. First of all, other all people I, have to wipe their booty too. And Mackenzie, y'all hogging all, all I know is uh, all I know is Nate's the one that Nate's the one that actually was hoarding all the uh, sanitizer and he's selling it for a thousand dollars on Amazon. It's gotta be Nate. <laughs> oh Nate, see I don't have time for that, Nate. You need to share, bro. <laughs> Oh, I did, you know. He's I in Kirkland. Share. He's got connections to Costco. <laughs> oh yeah, see, I'm coming. I'm I'm coming to visit you, Nate. I need some hand sanitizer, and toilet paper. <laughs> I, I avoided that line with ever being of my life. <laughs> oh my god, I, I I'm just I I cannot laugh. I'm like sitting there going, I could see like if you take the meat produce and the protein <laughs> and the cans of right. soup or something. <laughs> But toilet paper? I mean, come on, people. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, in, it's, it's in, thing that I actually, seen. 
Go, go, Mackenzie, go. I know you want to talk about this. No, I'm just. Yeah. I'm just saying the big thing that I've seen now is people taking paper towel rolls, you know, drawing a permanent a permanent line mark, marker line on three sections of toilet paper and using a power drill to cut it in two. Oh, First of all, I've got time oh, for any of that. I know I sure oh, the heck don't got some time to be cutting three sections into some stinking paper towels. What is Seriously. this? Fix it. Somebody, please. Seriously. Oh, my God. Uh, my neighbor, Jeff. My neighbor Jim says these are a bunch of dumbasses and they're skilled. You just got to give them that. <laughs> they're skilled. I, I will give them a major prop. <laughs> yeah, they're skilled for sure. Oh my god. Um, the guy, the guy that got shut down by Amazon. I mean, what were you thinking, bro? You're gonna like what? Mark it up to a thousand dollars. Somebody's gonna buy your hand sanitizer. <laughs> Come on. First of all, don't I mean, nobody want to buy no hand sanitizer. That's over five dollars, let alone a thousand. Boy, buy get out of here. Did you see the boxes? I was like blasting my head off. I'm like, seriously, and you're marking it up to a grand? <laughs> I can see you're marking up twenty bucks, right? Like nineteen ninety nine or nine ninety nine. Normally four ninety nine. Oh. You know, I can see. Okay, I might pay ten dollars for a hand sanitizer, right? <laughs> but a thousand? Come on, man. And <laughs> like, all the people oh. eBay do it. Where? Yeah. Shit hits man and conscious mindset just Oh my god. Yeah, I, it's just ridiculous. Um um Mackenzie, are you sad that the XFL is cancelled? Uh yeah. I'm sad all football's cancelled. But more importantly <laughs> because Your Battle Hawks are not gonna win the championship. That's how bad it was. They were <laughs> on the road to the championship. Look, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to need this little this little corona beer virus thing to get its life together. Because i got stuff I'm trying to accomplish, and watching the Battle Hawks is one of them. I can't do it. Like, this is exciting. Mac, Mac, I saw your video where you're pumping iron on your feet and everything. I'm sitting there going, this girl's not bored. This girl's serious. I was like, quarantine? Screw that. I'm conquering weight. Yeah. I'm saying tearing it down. Look, you know, that was impressive. Look, thank you. Thank you for that. But, you know, more importantly, you know, if I can't watch football and I can't play football, you know, I don't get to go be with my football family, the, the next best thing would be to essentially keep preparing myself for such a thing called football. You know, somehow I have to stay somewhat self-motivated because I'm not even going to lie. When after we found out that, you know, things were being postponed, I went into, like, the slightest of depressions, I was very not happy. I was very, like, I'm not even I, – I pretty much told myself I was going to become a couch potato because I couldn't play some football. And I was wow. like – I was – oh, it was bad. Yeah, it was not great. And then I was like, well, I mean, the Battle Hawks wouldn't do that. Like, that's literally what I said to myself. I said the mm-hmm. Cowboys wouldn't do that. You know, and I was like, you know, I need to, like, get my life together. So I've, I'm on, like, a good, like, week stretch now where I'm, like, keeping myself in the gym and lifting and like tomorrow's cardio day and I don't like cardio. So like every day I think about cardio, I really want to skip it. And then I'm just like, so, you know, the trainer is the only one that likes cardio. (laughs) Yeah. The trainers can sit there. Right. You know, Oh, Hey, let's go, let's go run a couple sprints. Who's running and doing what? No. 
uh-uh, I'm on vacation. And then I'm like, I can't yeah. vacation. Yeah. Because as soon as this thing yeah. gets done, exactly. you know, I got to stay in shape. I, I could regret all of it. That was like when I had dogs. Uh, Mackenzie, when I had dogs, and I would like to, like, take them out and put them in the backyard, and they were these were chows, and they were not retrievers, you know, golden retrievers. They were chows. So I'd throw the Frisbee out there, and then the two chows would look at me like, why don't you go fetch it? I ain't going to go fetch it. <laughs> not cool. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much how I felt. Like, <laughs> let's see, I started getting back serious in the weights um, probably mid like mid last week, and I'm sitting here like, like, is this really a thing? Like, oh, you go with these weights because I don't want to do this right now. I'm just like, all right, well, I got to keep myself accountable somehow. So me and one of, one of my really good friends have been hitting the gym together, and she, she's been keeping me together, and I'm like, okay. I said, okay, Chrissy, look, you got to keep me in the gym because I will go home and take a nap all day and do nothing. I have no regrets whatsoever. None whatsoever. Are you going to go Ronda Rossi here and just do Facebook gaming? <laughs> I, you know, look, I, I could. <laughs> Man, I don't know. She's, crazy. she's done well, actually, with the gaming and stuff. Uh, uh, Nate, uh, what is the state of your mind? The XFL's done. The Dragons maybe could have won. We don't know. We we don't know about any of the teams. It was, it was so close, and I I I think the thing that I think most hilarious is you know we we find a, a you know we we can't find a way to to push back a a season whenever the thing you know, blow over. How we to put you know WrestleMania, which usually attracts about as many people as we were getting on average a week for XFL, we mm-hmm. managed to make the decision. To put it in the performance center, the smallest place on the planet to put a massive pay-per-view. It makes zero sense to me when you have... Hey, it could have been in, our, it could have been in your it. living room. MMA was willing to do whatever. You could have invited them to your living room. They would have put that pay-per-view Damn. on there. <laughs> Hamster. Exactly. Oh. I mean, so you hear really the but you can't tell me you can't push back a season that was getting close and actually full. Give me a break. Yeah, I think they killed the buzz on it. Uh, Mackenzie, you feel the same way? You think they killed the buzz? They could have just delayed it 30 days and go, hey, okay, we're, we'll be back in 30 days, right? Or whatever, and, and finish look, up the season. You know, that's, oh, look, you know, that's what I was expecting. That's exactly what I was expecting. Like, oh, you know, we're going to take this little 30-day hiatus thing right here, you know, and then we're going to come back. Nope, just boom, done, no more. I'm sorry, what? You're going to cancel it and just, that's it? Like we, hey, they stripped the, uh, you know, they stripped the the WWE main event at WrestleMania and said we don't have a championship, so everybody go home. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has got to be Vince. This has got to be Vince. You know what I mean? <laughs> Man, I just not look. This this ain't crazy. I'm mad because there's literally no sports on the TV. Oh, that's time. Mackenzie, uh, Mackenzie, uh, my uh, my neighbor said. How more depressing can it be? You're sitting at home. You're not active. You're not watching other football, and all of a sudden you got NFL free agency, and these guys are getting millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> so you might be oh, out of a job no. next week. You know, oh, you know, what I mean? look, you know oh, oh, NFL, come on! Can you just, oh, <laughs> like this is just a whole tease right here. Like I can't even <laughs> picture some of the people that I've got on my team now because we ain't got no football. I know. Look, you know, hell. right. <laughs> 
I'm just, I'm, Who thought I'm, of that? Goodell, did, Goodell, I mean, come on. You could have just said free agency is expired in 30 days and we'll just re- redo our thing. But, no, we gotta we got to watch somebody debate over whether they want so much millions. And where will Tom Brady land? That's our next dilemma. Apparently Tampa is where it's landing. That's that's, apparently that's, Tampa. That's the floating rumor. Yeah. It, but, but why Tampa, though? I – because Gazelle, I mean, Gazelle until... wants to be in Brazil, and Tampa Bay is the closest to get to Brazil. That's my uh, rumor and speculation. Makes sense. I would probably take you up on that, to be honest. I mean, well, it, it, the only thing I can think of, Florida is more like Brazil, so why would she – she's already, you know, suffered herself and put herself through misery for uh, New England weather, so why not go to no, Florida? Right. Yeah. And, and I know before um, – you know, before the ten, the the Titans had um had got had uh signed uh, Tannehill again. I know that Tom Brady was eyeing Tennessee because Mike Vrabel was down there. So mm-hmm. that's really where I thought he was going to go because he would have had uh, Vrabel. He had Derrick Henry. Um, oh, who else was down there? Um, he, I mean, he had he had had a, a bunch of other weapons too. So did he shock, I think did going on Mariota. Marietta goes to the Raiders, and somehow Carr has got to be on alert now. <laughs> I was like, okay, Mayock made up for his, you know, for his, for his mock draft, and now he's getting the quarterback that apparently he, he was he was highly coveting in that in a draft. So it's kind of like the Raider way, I guess. Yeah, you know, I was I was actually kind of surprised about that. And the, speaking of the Raiders, the Raiders have been getting all of my old Cowboys, and I'm not real sure how I feel about it. Okay, so Nate, what do you think the Raider Nation is going to be? Okay, now we got Mariota and Carr as a debate in Vegas. They're probably going to bet on that. Who's going to start first, and they'll just make money off of it. And in this day and age, with you know XL, any you know anything worth its weight, has bet on that. But I'm pretty sure that's going to be the first one. I, you know that's you know that conversation piece 101 right there is you know you got. Two, two quarterbacks you bring, which actually, you know, Raiders are actually looking good in the fact that, you know, they've got a reputation following them of being not one of the best teams lately. So we'll see how that goes. But, no, um, I'm, I'm pulling for All right. Uh, Mackenzie, the CBA gets signed. Uh, some of the higher-priced players or millionaire players didn't really want to sign it. The middle-class players, which are getting the minimum, all decided to collectively get together, which outweighs the big salary players. And here we are. We got some concessions for former players for health reasons. And so um, a lot of it is, I think it goes to 2030. So there is a longer-term deal that happened. Um, There was some concessions on both sides. And even the players that are not playing currently did get some perks out of it. So uh, what do you feel about the CBA and – how that worked out. So I'm only going to speak about the CBA in the sense of being a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, okay. And mainly thinking about Dak Prescott. So Dak Prescott essentially was waiting for the new, the new CBA before he was going to decide, you know, whether, you know, if he was going to take what Dallas had offered him or wait until the, you know, the new CBA um, to take place. Now, mind you, the new CBA doesn't start until, until 2021. Goes, goes from 2021 to 2031. That's an entire decade. 
of this new CBA plan, which would be, you know, have the concessions would have, um, you know, a little bit of back pay for, you know, players injury stuff like that. Um, what kind of screwed Dak, and it's irritating me, but I don't blame him for, you know, waiting to see what else he could have possibly gotten from this new CBA agreement. Um, is so you don't like the franchise tag? They, is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I don't, but the franchise tag is literally paying him what he was already getting paid. Like, he was already getting paid, I think, thir- uh, like 30.5 mil, maybe a little more. And, and mm-hmm. that was from his rookie contract to now. And now the um, the franchise tag that he that he has currently is supposed to pay him anywhere from thirty one and a half million to thirty three and a half million, which is right still in between the bracket of what he was getting paid four years ago. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, so, but I mean, I, I think the concessions overall for it, I think they everybody got what they needed. Uh, the NFL was okay with it. Some of the players on the CBA were not. But, you know, there was a, a minor, you know, minor of the players. Majority of the vote did agree with it. So it goes through, what, 20, 30? So that's great. So we add 21 games, Nate, four, free, four preseason games, and then we add a, uh, a wildcard team to each conference, which will be 17 regular season games starting in, I think it's 2021, if I'm correct. Um, so that's going to add one more game to it. I mean, how much they talk about player safety and want to look out at the players, and then they go and add, you know, one more. Well, I guess we could say two more games because preseason they off, depending on how you look at it. Um, right. It's just, <laughs> you know, what 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 more as the NFL do you need to do? You've already asserted dominance is the top league over everything or in every conversation, even if it doesn't involve you. So, good solid reason do you need to add another level to the well? I'll I'll look at the playoffs preseason. I I could care less. But the postseason, what other reason do you have to add another level to the playoffs besides being one step closer to giving every single team a participation trophy, a candid box? Honestly, tell us how you feel, Nate. Tell us how you really feel. Because we're we're we're, lot, we're hearing it loud and clear. <laughs> I just didn't think it was yeah, necessary no, it, to do that. I, I agree with you, Mackenzie. Do you agree? Why add another wildcard team? That just makes it kind of dilutes the whole, you know, competition type mentality. Asinine, Oscar. Just just oh, you're gonna make me salty again. I just I can't do it. Why for what? Like y'all want to add another game to the regular season for what reason? I don't know. I'm not the NFL. Maybe they want to give the Cowboys a lot more chances every year. You think they want to give chances like you know, the East? Where there's like, I'm yeah. not just mocking your Cowboys. I'm just saying, like, look at the East situation, right? There's all these teams in like a 7 and 9 and 8 and 8 type of, you know, division, right? So now we're going to see what? Two teams out of the division come out to a playoff? A 7 and 9 and 8 and 8, as an example, you would think, right? So that, that kind of just uh, doesn't make sense in a way. Yeah, and it's it's supposed to be the top team from, you know, each each division, and then the top team from each conference that plays the Super Bowl. That's how that is supposed to go. Nowhere in this conversation did it say, "Oh, we gonna have two teams from each division go and make it make it a sixteen team or whatever." Like that's not how that goes. 
that nowhere nowhere in the recipe of NFL football was that supposed to be a thing when it was till now. So it's now just so McKenzie, So now each top seed, each seed top seed in each conference, in other words, all the division winners, they all get a first round bye. So the second seed will play the number seven in the first round and so forth. So yeah, so all the top division winners basically get uh you know a week off to prepare for the rest of the teams that will will go into the lockout. I just think it's not not a cool thing anymore. It's just it it just doesn't make sense. I guess in a way, or we're not used to it yet. Right. Well, and the and, and the other thing is is I can see as far as having the top teams, you know, the, those number one teams from each division having the first round by for that reason, you know, as far as you know health, you know, whatever, you know. Really, just health and being able to prepare. Sometimes having an entire week off of, you know, not going game speed, not, you know, preparing for a game can inevitably kind of screw you. And yeah, I, that's that. I think personally, being a player, that's my fear, or that would be my fear if I were a player in the NFL. Would be would you know we've worked this hard all season, you know, having games every week, every you know other, other right. week, you know, depending on what our schedule is, um, going up to you know, division round, playoffs, um, wild card, things like that, going up to it and then essentially, boom, you know, having a week off and then, boom, we either lose because we've gotten too comfortable being off or, you know, we just end up beating somebody so badly that the game isn't even competitive or, you know, isn't even worth putting my full effort into, which would be my main concern because if I'm, you know, if I'm going to make it this, if I'm on a team and I'm going to make it this far to, uh, you know, whichever round I happen to make it with as a player, as a part of a team, I want it to be competitive on both sides. Not, I don't want just our team to go out and dominate them. I want the, I want the opponent to be able to give me something that I can, you know, that I can essentially show my dominance with, you know, me being me, I don't have an issue showing my dominance, but football terms, you know, I want to, I want competition. I want to be able to be like, okay, we're pretty evenly matched teams or one of us may have an advantage you know, and somebody could turn around and pull pull an upset, or we can just go out there and take the team, take the game in double overtime. Like it's got to be still competitive. Like that's why I'm not a fan of like let's have a whole week off. No, let's not have a whole week off. I don't have time for that. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, Nate. The yeah. the other big one was teams are not allowed to add padded practices in the regular season once the 17 game season starts. No padded practices I, mean, I don't understand just all these changes I just feel like at some point the NFL is going to be so you know I looked at as weak weak and the the Canadian Football League is making deals with the um, the LFA of Mexico and some of the some of the European Italian leagues out there in Europe I don't know maybe they could they could end up passing them out just for excitement oh they could by and far I mean you know you, you look Discussions uh, we've certainly had, you know, and discussions people have had across social media and across stations. You know, NFL just keeps digging a hole that just keeps putting them closer to to two hand touch and a lack of entertainment. I can't tell you how many people I had debates with who were saying, you know, well, you know, the the was it the oh the getting money the excess. Wasn't you know, all cracked up to be as the NFL does a lot of similar stuff. It's like, well, but you're 
you know, you're getting, like you said, they're they're taking away the the full pad practices, which does help in the long run. You can't evolve, you can't learn throughout the season unless you're full contact and using extension. So that's one. Two is you're you know you're putting all of the different rules in place that change by the week. So add that into your practices, and you know. Let, let's just keep making this a disaster as it continues to go on. Yeah. I feel like the XFL is going to stand out at some point in year two, and maybe the, the Canadian Football League and the Mexican Leagues are going to really ramp up because it's going to be old-school type of football. Um, guys, uh, what are we looking forward to? What are we working on? Because I am literally on down mode right now. There's nothing going on in women's football. There's nothing going on in football. Uh, my daily fantasy sports fix – it's gone down as well because of it and revenue included. Um, so I guess I'm technically, I'm just reading books now. I'm just starting to read books. I'm reading books until this shall pass. I'm spending time on YouTube and old games I haven't seen before. So it's, it's no, okay. new to me. Also, I, you know, I wasn't in the, the LFA before um, they, they and locked down. So, uh, I am looking forward to football back. I know tomorrow the X League is releasing a new condensed schedule, so we'll see how that looks. They're still trying to get the season in. Uh, yeah. Also, kind of, I'm I'm still keeping in the loop with things like XFL, IFL, uh, CFL, all the way around uh, women's football as well. You know, just Mackenzie, what are you doing inside. downtime besides being at the gym? Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know putting in the grind time in the gym so I can, you know, stay as in shape as humanly possible without, you know, you overdoing it. Um, I've also just been catching up on, on my podcast. Um, I miss my podcast. So, and I, my weeks have been, you know, so busy with, um, just, I mean, geez, the past month has been extremely busy for me. And then I have a photo shoot next week sometime. And I'm just like, finally, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that, you know, like I don't want to call it like a, a permanent break from sports because obviously sports are going to be back. You know, things will be back to the normalization that we all know them. But, you know, it, it's always good to kind of, you know, step back and decompress for a little bit. Um, unfortunately, it's all been forced on all of us to have to, you know, take right. a step, step right. back and, you know, and, and do that. So, um, like I said, just really, ch- you know, um, kind of just cleared out my schedule, um, you know, lifting, going back to the gym, um, spend time with my friends and family, podcast. So I'm not completely out of the realm of sports. Um, so it's just, you know, catching up on everything out of the immediate sports realm that's kind of been, you know, keeping me busy and keeping me going. So I'm thankful for podcasts. Um, and if anybody needs any podcasts to listen to, hit my DMs because I've got a list of them that I listen to every day. All right, guys, so we're going to bail out. Uh, thanks for Tanya Walter coming in today, Tabitha Laurie of Stadium Queens. And uh, so we'll catch you guys here on 313. Thanks, Nate, for coming in today. Really appreciate it. Mackenzie, as always, oh, it's a pleasure. The salty one in the house. And we'll be back for 313. And we'll be, hopefully we'll have football back. If we don't, we're obviously going to be talking about a lot of things that we're doing off the field as well. So have a great night, everybody.